and thank you so much for joining us once again. I am your host, The Grey Knight, and this is The Nightly Pleasures Podcast, episode number 35. Tonight, we start with a special treat, a piece that's a bit racy, so viewer discretion is advised, as it were. It's from Anna Zaris and her upcoming work, The Crinar Captive. It's a sneak peek, and her work is out soon, so I do hope you enjoy. Let's listen to it now. Running through the forest, Emily felt her breathing settling into a steady rhythm, one that she knew would enable her to keep the pace for the next few miles. To her relief, the strappy sandals Zeron had given her sat snugly on her feet, without even a hint of the rubbing discomfort one would normally expect with such footwear. Though the last two years had been tough, with her job consuming nearly all her waking hours, Emily had usually managed to sneak a five-mile run in every couple of days. It didn't compare to the rigorous fitness regimen she had in college, but it was still better than turning into a complete couch potato, and she was extremely grateful for those runs now. She could feel her muscles warming up and stretching, her lungs working easily, and she knew she would be able to keep this for at least an hour. By then, Zeron should be far behind her, assuming he even bothered to come after her once he reached the shore. If all went well, she would not see him again. The thought was strangely upsetting, so she pushed it out of her mind. There was no going back now. For better or for worse, she had escaped, and now she needed to make sure she found civilization quickly. Just one foot in front of the other, Emily. One foot in front of the other. Focusing on the familiar runner's refrain, she leapt over a fallen log and ran smack into an impossibly hard body. The impact knocked the breath out of her. Reeling back, she tripped over the log and would have fallen if strong hands hadn't have caught her at the moment. In a flash, she found herself stretched on the ground on her back, arms pinned above her head, with six feet plus dripping wet, muscular male sprawled on top of her. Zeron, he had somehow caught up with her. He was breathing hard, and she could see a muscle pulsing in his tightly clenched jaw. His dark hair was plastered against his skull, his black eyes glittering like coals. He looked savage and utterly furious. Where the hell do you think you're going? His voice was a feral growl, his fingers like still vice around her wrists. You can't run from me. Her lungs finally started to function. Emily greedily sucked in air, trying to gather her wits. How had he gotten here so quickly from the middle of the lake? Even the best Olympic swimmer couldn't have covered that distance in such a short time. What? How did you... She couldn't seem to get more than a few words out through the thunderous pounding of blood in her ears. She could feel every inch of his hard, half-naked body, the moisture from his skin seeping into her dress. 
and her flesh reacted instantly, her nipples pebbling into taut, erect buds. How did I what? He lowered his head until his face was only a couple of inches from her own, his gaze burning into her. How did I catch you? Emily managed to nod. I can always catch you. His voice softened to a hoarse whisper, and a hotter, darker gleam appeared in his eyes. There's no place on this planet or beyond where I wouldn't find you, Angel, if I were so inclined. Her heart skipped a beat, then began to gallop madly in her chest. She could feel a growing hardness against her leg, and an answering heat flooded her body, even as deepening awareness of her own vulnerability made her stomach tighten. Let go, she whispered, straining against his hold. It was like being pinned down by a mountain, and the sense of helplessness was both frightening and maddening. Zeron, let me go. He stared at her, his jaw muscle flexing, and the blazing hunger on his face sent a surge of alarmed excitement through her. She could sense him battling for control, and she knew the exact moment when he lost the battle. With a tortured groan, he lowered his head and captured her mouth with his. There was nothing sweet and tender about this kiss. It was raw, carnal, claiming. His lips and tongue were everywhere, consuming her, stealing away her breath, her will to resist. His right hand effortlessly held both her wrists above her head, while his left slid down her body, fisting in her skirt and pulling it up. Wherever his fingers brushed against her skin, her flesh was left burning, aching for his touch. Overwhelmed, Emily arched against him, uncertain if she wanted to get closer or throw him off, and felt his knees parting her naked thighs as his hand grabbed her bikini bottoms, ripping them off. Only the wet material of his shorts separated them now, the heavy pressure of his erection pushing against her exposed sex. Suddenly, her hands were free, grasping Emily grabbed at his shoulders, her fingers digging into his skin, and began a rocking motion with his hips, each move rubbing the hard length of his cock on her clit and sending waves of heat throughout her body. She was still kissing her wet... He was still kissing her with deep, drugging kisses that clouded her mind, and somewhere low within her belly, a familiar tension began to build as his hand pulled off her bikini top and closed around her breast, firmly massaging the soft weight under the thin fabric of her dress. Her head swimming, Emily moaned into his mouth, unable to focus on anything but the dizzying pleasure surging through her. All her fears, all her doubts, evaporated, burned away in the searing heat of his embrace, her fingers slid into his hair, holding him closer as her hips began to move in 
an answering rhythm. He groaned again, and she dimly registered another ripping sound. He'd torn off his shorts, she realized vaguely, feeling the smooth head of his cock brushing against her inner thigh. The tension inside her intensified. Her core throbbed with molten need, and she lifted her hips toward him, unconsciously begging for more. At her move, he stiffened on top of her and raised his head to stare down at her, holding himself propped up on one elbow. His breathing was harsh and fast, his lips shiny from their kisses. Do you want this? He whispered, his voice hoarse with lust. He nudged his hips forward, the tip of his shaft pressing into the soft notch between her legs. Do you want this, Emily? His eyes bore into her, demanding an answer, and she nodded helplessly, unable to do anything else. She'd never known such an aching want, a desire so intense it bordered on agony. She wouldn't be able to bear it if he stopped now, and her usual voice of caution remained silent as he grasped her thigh with one strong hand opening her legs wider and began to push in. Despite her arousal, the initial penetration wasn't easy. He was thick and long, much bigger than any man she'd been with, and as he advanced deeper into her yielding flesh, a cry escaped her lips with the stinging, stretching pleasure. Tensing, she gripped his arms and felt a shudder run through his body as her inner muscles tightened around his hard length in a futile attempt to repel the invasion. At her movement, Zeron stopped, his large body shaking with the effort of holding himself still. His black eyes glared with hunger. Yet, when he lowered his head, brushing his lips against her cheek, the gesture had a startling tenderness. Are you all right? He murmured, his warm breath washing over her left ear and sending shivers of pleasure down that side of her body. Instead of answering, Emily closed her eyes and wound her arms around his neck, her legs coming up to clasp his hips. The discomfort was already passing as her body adjusted to the feel of him buried inside her, and the earlier fever was returning. Yes, she whispered, arching up to take him even deeper, and then she shuddered in helpless delight as the movement intensified the sensations emanating from her core. He shuddered too, the last bit of his control disappearing, and he began thrusting heavily, driving into her with punishing force. Gasping, Emily clung to him, feeling like a sliver tossed around in a storm. Her world narrowed, all her senses focused on him. His skin was slick with water and sweat, his muscles bunching and flexing underneath her fingertips. She could feel his thick shaft moving deep within her, 
smell his warm, musky scent, and the tension inside her spiraled higher, centering on the bundle of nerves at the apex of her sex. Her skin prickled with goose flesh, her heartbeat skyrocketed, and then she was suddenly there, a gasping cry escaping her throat as her body exploded in the most powerful orgasm of her life. He rode her through it, his thrust hard and relentless, giving her no time to recover, and to her shock, she felt another climax approaching, her sensitized flesh requiring minimal stimulation this time. Sensing it, he picked up the pace, grinding his groin against her clit with every thrust, and Emily screamed as another violent orgasm ripped through her, leaving her shattered and breathless in its wake. The convulsive clenching of her sex seemed to trigger his own release, and she felt him tense, a rough sound rumbling in his chest as he stilled, grinding his pelvis harder against her. She could feel his cock pulsing deep inside her, his seed splurting out in warm jets, and she clutched at his sides, stunned by the intensity of the experience. For a few moments, they lay there silently, unmoving, their bodies glued together by sweat as their breathing slowly returned to normal. Zeron was heavy on top of her, and for the first time, Emily became aware that she was lying on the hard ground, small rocks and twigs digging into the bare skin of her back. Shifting slightly, she tried to get more comfortable, and he lifted himself on his elbows again, relieving her of the bulk of his weight as he stared down at her. His softening sex was still lodged inside her, and the intimacy of their position made her cheeks flame as she met his gaze. You're not going anywhere, Angel, he said quietly, his eyes holding hers. There was something different in the way he looked at her now, something dark and possessive that hadn't been there before. Not until I let you go. And I hope you enjoyed. Once again, that was the beautiful and talented Anna Zaries and her book, Out Now, The Krinar Captive. K-R-I-N-A-R, Captive. Uh, that is, according to her, one of the tamer scenes. So if you're hankering for something a little bit darker... I think that'd be a very good read for you. Up next, the conclusion to last week's story, I bring you my very own Storytime Part 2. Let me tell you, if you're ever going to surprise a man, it turns out that after traveling and being awake for 20-some hours, and having some beers, and getting laid a couple of times. That is a real good time to do it. The, uh... <laughs> the flight or uh, fight response, it's just not as strong. So there was a real tense second there, 
and you could feel the oxygen rushing out of the room. And we just looked at each other. And she was making that face that you make when you're surprised at someone else's surprise. And we just sort of blink in the silence and let it wash over us. And it's scary. And my head is swimming. And I have this feeling like I'm falling. Like I'm falling endlessly. Because that's exactly what it was. Just a total shock. Betrayal. By somebody who didn't mean to surprise or betray you. But I put on my big boy pants. And I wondered aloud. Why didn't you tell me? And she said immediately in a short clip that she thought that I knew. And then she said, but we never talked about it. And then she said, but I thought you knew. I didn't. I didn't suspect. I had absolutely no idea. Maybe it's because of biases. Maybe it's because she was pretty. Maybe it's because of how I think about Europe sexually compared to America. I don't know. I don't know. It never occurred to me. In a past life, not so long ago, I actually worked as a bartender. And I never would have thought that any of my co-workers ever would have been virgins. Just never. Just not once. And again, things are different. This is a small town. I get that in retrospect. But it earnestly had never crossed my mind. I didn't know what to say, and I knew I had to say something. She was turning more and more towards shame by the second. You can see it take somebody over the way it buckles on their shoulders and their neck, makes their hands grip into surfaces like she was gripping the surface of the mattress, like talons, just tearing at that top layer of the mattress in order to get a better grip. And I didn't want her to feel shame. I didn't want her to feel ashamed. It's not a very helpful emotion. Not my experience. So I asked if she knew that I was going to be leaving, and she said, yes, of course. And I asked, do you know how long I'm here? And she said she didn't. And I told her that I had plans to stay in that particular area for the next 36 hours or so. And that's when I was going to take the train away. And she nodded. But she wasn't making eye contact anymore, and she was very still. And I don't blame her. When you feel like you've done something wrong after not thinking that you were doing anything wrong, that's a very bad feeling. And it is one that I felt before myself. So 
I made a choice when I reached out and I touched her hand. And I held it. And to my surprise, she gripped it in return, which I was grateful for and, of course, gripped hers harder in response. I was happy she was responding. And when she looked me in the eyes again, I didn't know what else to ask besides, what do you do? And she asked me what I meant. And I said, what do you do around here for a day? Seems kind of boring, frankly. And she laughed and she smiled. And I pulled her into me and kind of did that 180 flip thing where if you pull somebody's wrist enough, they, they flip around to the other side so that she was facing the same direction as me. And I pulled her into kind of a modified spooning because I was still sitting up a little. And I held her close and I told her that I really liked her and I enjoyed what was happening and... If she was okay with it ending when I was going back, I was okay with that too. And she started to rush out an apology. And it was very quick. And frankly, her English had been pretty great up until that moment. Uh, but in this particular torrent, it was not. It was garbled and confused. And not at all what I had grown to expect out of her company. So... I feel like she was pretty distressed and chauvinistic or overly masculine as it is, whatever you want to call it. I just sort of shushed her and kissed her temple and said that no harm, no foul. <laughs> In retrospect... As a writer, I probably should have come up with something better. But um, that's what came out. So I slinked down behind her. And I fully spooned her. And I just held her for a bit. And I realized that even with this disturbing revelation that I still felt very much at peace, and with the adrenaline going out of my veins, I also felt quite tired as well. And I asked her if I should go back to my hotel, or if I should stay there. And she said she thought it was best that I go back, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, and that hurt. I don't know why, but it did. So I nodded. I kissed the back of her head. I got dressed. I asked her if I would see her tomorrow, and she said yes. And we made plans. I got home. I fell asleep. I told my friend all about it the next morning, minus the details that wouldn't be embarrassing, and why I might be sparse that day. I ate the really shitty breakfast buffet. 
again, we're not in a cosmopolitan region here, so it wasn't great. And then I met up with her. And it was a lot easier than I expected. Something about being dismissed in the middle of the night, I thought maybe she would change her mind, or maybe it would be very awkward, but it wasn't. And she gave me a hug. And then she took me around on a little tour of the city. The one that she knew so well that she effectively had lived all of her life in. And she told me about how they moved there when she was four. And she told me about how she was ostracized quite a bit. Because she didn't look like the other children. Her parents being from another country. And she told me about how this guy pulled her hair in grade school, and how over there she got so drunk that she uh, <laughs> she fell down, and she couldn't get back up without help. And she told me about the complications about living there, and how she loved listening to podcasts, podcasts that would take her all around the world without her having to leave, and how complicated it was. How her family moved here for a better life for her and them. And how she loved them and loathed it. And how it was great and burden all at once. And she talked and she talked. And she kept asking if she was talking too much. But, and this may surprise you a bit. I actually don't speak so much myself and quite enjoy listening. And I was. We walked quite a bit. We saw the main thoroughfare. We saw a little statue in a little park. And it was quaint and lovely. And then she tried to apologize, but this, this I was ready for. Instead of allowing her, I just sort of pulled her in and I whispered in her ear, I want you. It was pretty nice being the one giving the surprise for once, seeing her eyes light up, watching her entire body sort of collapse like she was being compacted from either side, her shoulders starting to squeeze together, her knees coming together. It was nice feeling the semblance of control that I had lost throughout the rest of the experience. She took me back to her place. And this time, in the daylight, it was a lot easier, knowing who we were and where we were and everything else. And I got to really, really drink it all in. And there was something magical about it. There was something really special about knowing that she had trusted me, that she had wanted me to guide her from one side of this to the other, that I was the only man that she had trusted so far. It's confusing and baffling, and I don't understand it still, when women who I've never met <laughs> say that they're virgins and 
how they would like me to take their virginity. And it's always been so very creepy, frankly, to me to get it from total strangers. And it would have been very creepy to get it from her. It has nothing to do with how beautiful you find a woman or not. I just never felt right. And even in retrospect, it felt like rationalization. But not here. Not in this moment. Not when the boundary had knowingly been crossed. This time, it felt amazing. This time, looking at her skin and stroking her and taking the clothes off her, this time, it was magic. I felt so powerful, so trusted, so ready, so capable. It just gave me this big surge of confidence. She protested quite a bit. She was very, very shy. Something about the lack of alcohol, I imagine, but also the daylight. And I just asked her to trust me. And I kept saying, you're so beautiful, you're so beautiful, let me see. Until every single shred of clothing was off her. Until I was sliding her panties to the floor while I was still fully clothed. And then I sat her in my lap. And I told her that she was mine. And wrapped my arms around her stomach. I pulled her into my chest. Our hearts... Whew, our hearts were beating like bongo drums. And I got to take my time. And I got to really, really drink it in. Stroking her hair and kissing her neck and her back. Tickling up and down her ribs until she squealed and begged me to stop. Stroking and stroking and stroking. I read something recently about how people try and emulate the lives that they see in movies and how guys try and fuck like they've seen in porn. And I laughed because I have never tried to fuck like they do in professional porn. I have always tried to get skin on skin as much as possible to draw out that long languishing, difficult moment before my cock actually got to be played with, because once it is, I tend not to ease up on that throttle. <laughs> so having her be naked on my lap while I was still fully clothed, it was fantastic. It was perfect. I got to take all the time I wanted, and because she was such a willing participant, to just go along with my machinations because she trusted me, I got to draw it out in a way that I don't think I would have otherwise. Hands up and down, all over, probing, pushing, touching, and tweaking. 
Mm. And I loved her breasts. I really did. Once my hands found them, they did not stray away very easily. I cupped them, and I stroked them, and I pulled at her nipples, and I had her turn back towards me so I could kiss them on the side, so I could suck one nipple into my mouth. She was a very tiny thing compared to me, almost an entire foot between us. And so there was no weight at all, even when she really fully let herself go and sit on me. But the thing that really drove me absolutely fucking nuts after all of this was seeing how wet she was with her thighs still together. There was just that that glimmer, that sheen. And you can feel it, sure. You can feel that heat if a woman's sitting on you. But seeing it, seeing it drove me wild. And it made me just a little bit mad with power. And so I told her to get on her knees and that she needed to learn how to suck my cock. How to suck it in a way that would make me happy. And <laughs> I could embellish here and say it was the most amazing thing ever and she was a natural, but that would be a lie. However, I have jerked off to it again just because of how amazing it was watching her play with it, watching her wide eyes figure out how to touch me, how to hold me, looking to me for guidance. It was an incredible aphrodisiac then and now. I had never been in such control. The power gap between us, the experience gap between us, everything, it really manifested in such a wonderful way that I had never expected. She wanted it, and she wanted it just like this. And who was I not to give it to her? It was a really wonderful session. I held her hair. I did not, despite all of my urges, fuck her face. I had her lick my balls while I stroked it in front because she would not close her eyes. She watched everything with fascination and I wanted to burn that mental image into my brain. And I think I have. It was time to actually enter her again. I was so ready. I was so ready. And she asked if I could do it from behind because she had always been curious. And I said later, because I need to look at your face right now. And we barely made it to the bed. And this time pushing into her, was so easy. And she actually behaved like she was still in the same room this time. So that was a big plus. And she encouraged. And she made noises. And she said my name. And it was really nice. 
It wasn't wild. It's nothing that would shatter the heavens. But it was really nice. And afterward, a little bit later, she started stroking me again until I was hard. And this time, I was incredibly happy to give her just what she wanted. Grabbed her hair, not too hard, but definitely enough to make her feel it. And as soon as I did, as soon as there was just that little bit of tug of my hand in her hair from behind, she let loose such a moan, such a whimper. And pushing into her was very, very, very satisfying that time as well. And I kept thinking, I should have just been present. I should have just enjoyed what I had right there, right then. But I kept thinking, this is all new to her. This is her first time doing this. And God fucking damn it. To be that man, to be chosen, to almost be fated because of the geographical coincidence. It's amazing. It's amazing, and I didn't even come, and I still love that fuck so much. Just because she loved it, and she wanted to make comments about it, and how it was different after. <laughs> like it was a compare and contrast portion of an essay. And it was so much fun. And we fucked again and again that night. And it was really, really great. We ordered quite possibly the shittiest pizza that I've ever paid the most for. Really just awful. From a place that doesn't even make pizza. It uh, was a shawarma place. And I don't know why I went with that <laughs> instead of the shawarma. But there we are. And we talked. And I asked her very frankly about what was going to happen with men and sex after I left, now that the gate had been opened. Because it's always something that I feared. Now that this is done, have I harmed this person? Have I sent them down a bad path? I've always worried. And I think she gave me the best possible answer someone could give in this situation. She just kept chewing, and she shrugged, and after she swallowed, she said, I'll figure it out. It's really all you can do. It's what I did after my first time. It's what I did after my first breakup. It's what I did after my first company fell apart. You figure it out. So then... The next morning, and the clock is ticking down, and we know we have to say goodbye. And even if there was no sex, even if it had just been drinks and talking, I would have missed her. I really enjoyed her. I thought she was quite funny, and I thought she was quite interesting. So we talked about how where I'm at now isn't so far away from where she's at. You know, like a weekend trip or something. And I got lost in the fantasy of it all. 
before I got pulled right back to Earth. And I said that it was wonderful and I wanted it, but that we shouldn't do it. Because even if we did, I'm still leaving. I don't want to pull it off like a band-aid, but we said two days. And she nodded. And I don't think she was very sad, but I do think that she was very strong. And somehow that just transformed into kissing. Which transformed into fucking. Which transformed into holding her after with her hair slick and, frankly, a little bit musky. And it was perfect. And I told her that I would think of her and that I would write this story if she would give me permission. And she, of course, agreed immediately. And she said she would miss me too. And then she asked if it would be okay not to listen to my work or, or read my stuff. And I said, of course, that could be difficult. I see that. And she nodded. And this time she wasn't looking in my eyes anymore. So it seemed a lot like defeat. I asked her if she wanted to walk me to the train, if she wanted to meet my friend. And she said yes. And so we did. And she was very gracious and very nice with him. And they switched to their natural tongue in front of me and teased each other and made little in-jokes. <laughs> and it was nice. And when it was time for the train, I squeezed her hand and I told her that I had an amazing time. And she said she did too. And I said, I really, really, really wish that I had met you under different circumstances. And she nodded and expressed the same. And then I asked her if it was all right if she would start going home now so that I wouldn't have to see her waiting there. And she agreed. She agreed because she has a very affable nature. In the whole ride home, I thought, she is astounding. It's not right to try and lock that down. There's too much of an age difference. There's too much of a power discrepancy. And on more than one occasion, I thought that she was seeing a night where there was just a man. But it was very nice. It was very nice. And I look forward to the day that she sends in a Tumblr ask or submits something through the website saying, it's me. I've found a man. We're getting married. Or whatever the hell they do. And I'll be very happy for her. But until then, until then, especially telling this story to you now, I sit back and I wonder, maybe, just maybe, I should catch another train back out there. I know this great bar, and I hope you enjoyed that piece as well. 
especially with all the build-up from the week before. I, of course, had a magnificent time telling it, as well as the earlier piece. Once again, guys, please give Anna Zaris a checkout. Uh, she is a New York Times bestselling author for a reason, and it's quite a titillating piece if I say so myself. As for me, I think that should just about do it. Thank you so much for listening, for subscribing, for everything else. I'm a very lucky man to have you. There's a lot more content on my Tumblr blog that is graynighterotica.tumblr.com. And as always, if you consider supporting me in either purchases on Audible or anything else, it means a lot, especially my Patreon. You can find me on Patreon also as The Grey Knight with spaces in between. Thank you so much for being the best fans a man could ask for. And if you enjoyed the podcast today or any other episode, please do consider spreading the word. I am having the time of my life doing this, and I just want to do it more and more and more. So I will see you next week, hopefully with some questions. And until then, have a wonderful rest of your week ahead of you.